Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. The Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. Real people, real conversations. I am pumped to be part of Have the Conversation. Hey guys, we're excited to introduce you to Eric Bedell this week. Eric is a holistic development coach, ICF accredited certified professional coach, ACE plus PPSC certified fitness trainer, and drummer for timeshares. Eric's diverse work background and punk rock roots help Eric empower individuals to boldly step into all situations life throws at them by helping to foster self-awareness, resourcefulness, and resilience. With a focus on self-honesty, trust, and integrating the whole human, shadows included, to a place of gradual action, Eric helps people not just dream, but act on the life they want for themselves. In the episode, Eric does open up about his triumph over disordered eating and body image issues. This is a current struggle. We want to let you know that there's help out there, should you want it, and we made sure to include it both in the episode show notes and on our website. After the conversation, if you'd like to further connect with Eric, head over to htcpod.com for it all. And don't forget, Coffee and Conversations is returning this Thursday, February 17th on Instagram Live at 8.15 a.m. Central. We'd love to have you join us for a cup. And thank you again to Eric for coming by and hanging out. We're already looking forward to the next conversation with him. So um, we're big on connection and quality of life. And I know that you are too. Um, we believe that kind of pushes us all towards like a greater good, right? When we, when we operate out of good, good connections and quality of life. So what is it about connection that um, you're drawn to? I'm curious. And how did it lead you kind of here today? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, there's like a hundred layers and 10 million different ways I could approach that, but um Totally. Yeah, connection central to it's central to my life. It's central to my work. Um, it's what has brought me to becoming to, to being a full time uh, personal and professional development coach. I, it's what brought me to become a trainer. And Leanne, I know you're a, you're a NASM trainer. I'm an ACE certified trainer. And, yeah. Um, so I know we share like that sort of at least you know in our own ways we share those things. And I think just connecting. Um, let's see, I'll, I'll try to do my best to summarize here. Connecting, um, connection became very central to me from a, like a very young age. Um, I was the mi- middle kid, older and younger sister, the only boy in the family. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a challenge in itself. Yeah. <laughs> I was the no, only girl. So I understand. <laughs> a cha- all, a huge challenge. I give you a lot of credit. <laughs> uh, but I, I think just like um, growing up, um, like real quickly, like I had, I would dealt with like a lot of childhood bullying. I was, uh, dealt with childhood obesity, um, took matters into my own hands, uh, battled a bout of anorexia for about two years when I was a kid. And that's actually like pushed me into health and wellness. Um, I didn't realize it was very, it was very unconscious, very subconscious at that time, but um, it led me down this path of learning that actually the, the most meaningful thing I could do with my life was learn how to connect with people on a level that's far beneath surface because my, my like origin story is this like very surface level outer exterior thing. And, um, so that's the, that's like sort of the pathway that I got set on and I bounced around all over the place in search of really like what satisfied that. And, uh, yeah find myself here now but I think what's interesting is that through the process of it um I learned the greater importance of connecting is is learn to connect more deeply with yourself because if you if you're unable to do that uh, a lot of those 
a lot of those external or like secondary connections become less important, less meaningful, less, less honest. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Hopefully that's a decent summary. This is going to be fun. No, I'm <laughs> yeah. excited. I'm like, okay, we're going to go there today. I like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I like well, it. I, I love how open you are too about your eating disorder and, and how it did affect you. I it's, it's actually crazy. You say that. Cause I have a very similar story and really? I, yeah, I, I dealt with an eating disorder, um, starting like at 13, 12, 13, um, being a swimmer didn't help, <laughs> but, uh, so I think I subconsciously found myself drifting towards the personal training profession. And I, I hated to admit this to myself, but I think it was a very selfish drive to, to make sure I'm in the gym and I'm always focused on fitness and I'm always talking about weight loss and nutrition. And it really was the deep connections that you get one-on-one when you're working with people and the psychology behind it that kept me like alive in this profession. Like I don't Mm. love writing strength workouts for people. I love meeting them and talking about how their day's going and why they ended up where they are and, and what's holding them back. And I know that you got a degree in psychology, um, which is super interesting. So we have a lot in common, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your story is really, I mean, I feel for you, like, and what a testament to like, what's possible to for you to also have gone through that and, and have like converted that um, pain into something that's useful for other people, mm-hmm. regardless of the intention initially, if it's selfish. Uh, I would also make the argument that like, it probably always should start from a selfish place because if we're not, we're not taking care of this thing, it's very difficult. Everything else becomes very trite. Um, but anyway, that's uh, this whole, but like really interesting (laughs) to hear that. (laughs) Well, I love, sorry, go ahead. Nope, 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 nope. We're going to be doing this all day. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say though, it almost makes me thankful for it, you know, like, cause I don't think I would have gravitated as much into the fitness industry if it weren't for my obsession you know within myself even though it was very unhealthy um I I can't really see myself doing anything else I mean other than this you know and this is all about mental health so you know it all it all runs together yeah definitely definitely I'd love to hear more about kind of your struggle with anorexia I've never had the I've never really talked to a a man that's gone through that Mm -hmm. and so I would love to kind of hear how that developed for you and, and how you navigated it yeah, absolutely. And, and like, uh, to land what you were saying, like, you know, that it's, I'm, a, I'm so, uh, out open with it is for that reason. Um, it's, I think it's, um, body image issues, even still, I think people understand that men are challenged by them. Um, uh, but even still in 2022, it's, I think it's way more, uh, under the, under the rug for mm-hmm. for guys and so i i i think part of my responsibility is to like bring to light the fact that like um you know yes there are there are these like uh, you know masculine traits that are that like are part of this cultural uh you know framework but like it, you know every every human is still a human and has mm-hmm. their sensitivities and vulnerabilities and uh and almost as men it's like you're not supposed to show those you know yeah right and the, the irony is that, um, you know, and I, I, I talk, guys, I, I mainly work with men in my coaching practice yeah. and, um, men are attracted to, to men that are willing to speak honestly about themselves mm-hmm. and tell their, 
dark secrets. And, um, and so it's really interesting that we have this like cultural thing about like not revealing things and not talking about that stuff. And yet we crave it. Like mm-hmm. as men, we crave it. Um, and so it's really, it's so interesting. So I like, I love to like bring that up. So anyway, I guess to answer your question, uh, I, um, yeah, like, uh, you know, I dealt with a lot of bullying. Uh, I was like kicked off sports teams, like team sports, because parents were afraid I was too heavy. I was going to injure their kids in, uh, oh in God. contact football. Um, I changed my bus. Oh, that's a lot. Just to even unpack. Holy yeah. Crap. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. And you knew that at the time you knew other parents were talking that way. Yeah. But I don't think I, um, I was more focused on like the real, the thing right in front of me, which is like, I can't play yeah. sports with my friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't really like think about the, the multiple levels of how yeah. insanely screwed up it was, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, that was one of the, that was one of the bigger things that happened. I changed my bus route a bunch of times. I, uh, I, I often, I would get off on the bus further away from home than when I got on the bus leaving school because of like where the bully sat on the bus and my exit from it and Mm. just things like that. And they accumulated and I, you know, in your limited level, also share a similar like timeline with you, Leanne, like, uh, yeah, I was like, I was, I was 12. Um, and so when you're like limited level of logic and reasoning and you're like, okay, heavy, bad, thin, good. Um, Mm -hmm. I won't be the butt of jokes and I won't be survive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Um, yeah, it wasn't about, it wasn't about thriving. It was just about like, how can I be unnoticed? Mm -hmm. Uh, which is like, right. Took a long, a long time to like work through that too, to the other side of like, being uh you know being proud of of who you are yeah um, despite and in spite like because of all of those difficulties um but so yeah I'm still I just, trying to figure that out oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right same. I'm like I'm 36 <laughs> like I still am trying to work through some of that yeah, same for sure <laughs> same. I'm told, yeah. and, and honestly I think anyone that tells you that they figured it out is full of shit they're full yeah. of shit yeah <laughs> uh hopefully we can swear is that like oh okay, yeah okay. you're fine <laughs> I'm just glad I'm uh, not the first one. <laughs> I was like looking through, looking through the details of like, okay, is this a, is it, what's the language sort of? Come like? as you are. That's yeah. our, that's our vibe. You're good. You're good. Awesome. So, so you worked uh, through some of that stuff, but you, you said it was around the age 12 that, that your eating disorder really started to kind of just run. Yeah. yeah run away from me a little bit. Yeah. And it, um, I had no, I had no, uh, I had no like uh, breakdown of what I was doing. I had no plan. I had no words for it. Mm-hmm. I didn't call mm-hmm. it an eating disorder. I, you know, I just, um, I ate the meals with my family that I had to, so no one would raise an eyebrow mm-hmm. and I didn't eat any other time. And okay. I started dropping weight like rapidly. And finally, you know, my parents caught on and stepped in and, and got me the help that I needed to, to level out at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was like all of the rest of high school was just really focused on maintaining thinness, um, you know, at all costs. I ran like, I ran so much because uh, nice. like that was what I, you know, uh, that was what I could like get my head around. I, I played soccer, I played football, I played baseball. So I was a sports guy. So like sign up for more sports. How active can I be? Mm-hmm. Um, this seems to maintain this thinness. And the, the really difficult part is on the, the thing that I thought would happen actually did. 
which was like, I became more popular. Yes. People liked me. Um, I got my first girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I like this stuff started to happen. So it cemented this like very, this distorted approach to like. Um, Worth. <laughs> really? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what it absolutely. sounds like to me. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. So it was really, it was really, it wasn't until college that I discovered weight training. And that's really where I was like, whoa, here's this whole, and I was resistant to it. Um, so they didn't but, have you doing weight training in the sports that you were in, in high school? No, it was, uh, we, hit, uh, we weren't like the best sports teams <laughs> when I went to high school. Uh, we were all there. We showed up. It was a collective thing. Yeah. Yeah. We did. You know, we had, we had good seasons. All right. <laughs> Coach DiGiacomo. DiGiacomo, if you're listening, man, uh, loved my Props. time there. Yeah. Takes no, one good coach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, uh, there were some lock, there were some weight room like prescriptions on there, but they were minimal. And it was like, you know, I played all running sports. It wasn't about upper body strength. And so like, it was just learning how to squat and lunge okay. and jump. And um, so, yeah, but yeah, college, I discovered that. And uh, it was, I really clicked. I was like, wow, this is, this is something I can do to manage my my physical health in a way that seems like it's actually just benefiting me. Like it's mm-hmm. actually, it's improving everything. Um, it's not sabotaging. And so that's really where it took off. And in college, I went to school for a music industry. And when mm-hmm. I was there, uh, I'm like a, two months in, I was like, what the hell is this? I'm like, I, I've been booking shows for like five years in high school. I need to do something that like feels more fulfilling and like, it's going to, so I became a dual psychology sociology major and it, everything just started to sort of like integrate at that point. Mm. Where did your interest in psychology come from? I think just, I think I, I really, like you said earlier, like I'm grateful that I went through that, that sort of bout of, uh, I mean, you know, body image struggle um, mm. and food and disordered eating because it made me search for something beneath that because then I got thin and it, well, I didn't have the thing that I thought I'd have. Yeah. I had the, I had the things, but I didn't yeah. have what it, I didn't have what I really thought I was after. So yeah. I was always thinking about the mind and I was always reading. I was always really interested in like very philosophical movies and, um, and books and uh, yeah, just, I don't know exactly where it came from, but uh I just, yeah, I got there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Was it the weightlifting that kind of transitioned your, your thoughts around food, like to fuel your body or like, how did you gain a healthy relationship with food? That's a great, that's a really good place to explore. Um, no, it was years after that. Mm -hmm. Um, because simultaneously, right. Like I think, um, I think a lot of people go through these sort of like college being, I was already very, very counterculture. I grew up uh, also part of this story. That's really important because it's parallel the whole time is like, I grew up in punk rock and hardcore. Um, We've heard. It was, re- <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was like super important to me. And, uh, and I found that community as a place that like, come as you are, we accept you. You know, it doesn't matter your weight. It doesn't matter. Uh, it was a very inclusive sort of environment. And so I like, I like poured myself into it. 
you know, started playing drums. I like, I did everything. Um, so I was already very counterculture. I was like against sort of mainstream culture, even throughout high school, but then college. We would have been friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was at your shows. I'm like, yeah, we would have been really good friends. Yeah. There's still time. There's yeah, still time. Yeah. <laughs> we can be friends. We're friends now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't even know where I was going. So you oh, found just that community, and then yeah, let's. Yeah, just co- I, I was gonna to answer Leanne's question. I was just gonna say th- that was context. I normally for most people, their first exposure to like really figuring things out and testing limits is college. I had already yeah. been doing that, but it went into like high gear. And I went vegan and I was vegan for six years, wow. you know, in like, in like very political punk, like Morrissey fashion, like very, you know, um, it wasn't about health. I was like, very, but then I discovered, you know, so I thought at that time for myself, I was like, oh, and it's a better way to control my weight. Um, yeah. And there's right, always that in the back of your mind when you totally interesting. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have even thought of that. Yeah. Fewer calories, yeah. you know, like a lot of the items I was eating were like way less dense. And so, yeah, like I didn't really, it took me a while to figure out what I was doing, but I did it. I was vegan for six years. So it was only after that, um, that I started to go like, well, I don't feel good as a vegan. I just don't feel good. I was getting sick all the time. I was taking supplements. I worked in the supplement department. So I had access to everything. I was like eating like a, Oh man, it was crazy. (laughs) And it still didn't work. So I started reintroducing like eggs and some fish and things like that. And uh, just started paying better attention to my body. And that's where it started to happen. When I started really listening to like how I felt. Um, so like, honestly, like mid to late twenties was the first period where I was like, whoa, all right. Mm-hmm. I think I'm starting to like get the hang of how I should eat. Mm-hmm. That's so empowering too. I was going to say, yeah, that's such a lesson and like a gift you kind of give yourself when you get to that point where you're like, you've tried oh all God. these things and you, you think you're doing the right thing. And then all of a sudden you're just like, I'm still not reaching that, that feeling that I'm like chasing, you know, and yeah. to be able to, to add stuff in, was that hard for you to go, especially being from like that counterculture and then to be like, oh shit, I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I needed something different. Like oh, I, yeah. I dealt with that in Very my humbling. life. That sucks, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cause it sinks down, right? It goes from, goes from behavioral. Like I am, I eat vegan to like identity. I'm a mm-hmm. vegan. Yeah. And once it enters the identity level, you're like, um, yeah, I was, I was, um, you know, I was uh, betraying this thing too you know? Um, but after a while I was just like, you know what? I have to, some, something has to bend and I just want to feel better. And, uh, the irony is now, and I say this to like my clients that are, are veggie or vegan or like, I'm, I'm like probably as close to animal based, like pure, like I eat very few, I I eat a small assortment of vegetables at this point, fruits, Mm -hmm. uh, but mainly meat. And, um, that I've just arrived here through listening to myself and, Mm -hmm going to the doctor and listening to my body. And uh, so, yeah, really interesting how it can take you all over the place. Literally. Yeah. Vegan to animal based. And I do want to talk about that, but I I wanted to ask for our listeners, but also just so we have like a full understanding, like how would you define like a holistic personal development coach? Like how do you define what you do for people? Yeah. That's, that's like, I think the hardest thing in the world is as a coach to say what a coach does. 
Um, I, I try to like, I say like, well, you know, does, do these things sound like you? If so, like, let's have like a two hour conversation and then you'll know, then you'll experience it. And then it's not words on a page. Um, but right. Like That's so punk rock of you. Don't yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I get it. I get it. <laughs> You're speaking her language. Yes. We it's, just need some bass in the background now. Oh yeah. <laughs> I could I could break out the drum pad. I, don't, I, I mean, I can't fit it. a drum set in Brooklyn, but uh, she's not saying no. <laughs> yeah, ready to go. Open to it all. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. Let's see. Remind where where we I lost my track already because we're talking yeah, about. I'm no, interrupting. I'm sorry. I'm keeping no, it over here. I'm like I feel seen. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Hal is just like praise hands. This is great. No, this is so good. No, we were talking about trying to explain what you do to people and how really it's like, you know, you have to get in, know their story and see if you can help them essentially is what I took from from your answer. Yeah. No, I think that's, uh, well, that's great because that means that like how I'm trying to speak about is is what's landing, uh, at least here. Um, (laughs) I'm, I think, yeah. Okay. To not be like a smart ass and to instead answer it like as as honestly as I can like um I mean I just I I treat the whole person I coach the whole person and um people often present challenges that they think are their challenges but number one I've learned that uh boldly I never believe them uh, because it's never the challenge that presents there's always right that's a symptom and there's always something deeper and so we get there and we explore how, you know, what really is at the bottom of the challenge, like how is that interconnected with all of the other parts of your life? And if you were to improve this actual, dark, you know, dark area, difficulty, mm-hmm. what would that do to the rest of your life? So I really try to work with people in a very, like, that's when I, why I use holistic. I try to treat all aspects um, that are relevant to the individual. That's why I always go like, let's have a conversation. And that's also, I mean, it's funny. That's why I was attracted to the podcast is because, I mean, really I like, like that, that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, it's like, heard that one before. That's, that's where you hit like the, the, like the cool, like bell button or something. And an ad rolls in yeah. or something. <laughs> don't give her like, ideas. Yeah. No, I got to calm down on my, my use of technology. I don't need any more things to do. <laughs> it's so good though. I mean, but in all, in all seriousness, I was attracted to having a conversation with, with you both, because that's why I really got into coaching work is because I, I believe that, that the planet can be made a, uh, a much more meaningful place, one conversation at a time. Mm-hmm. I really believe that because conversation, I mean, we, it goes back as far as like, uh, like like ancient Greek uh, culture and, and like just the importance of having dialogue where like dialogue is where we figure out the world. We test our ideas. We see how other people interpret them. We, we can like either, you know, reaffirm our belief in something or have it shifted. It's a very, very vital thing. And, and uh, um, I'm a little weary that like, as and I'm sure you've noticed this in your own ways but like our uh american culture right now feels like so polarized in in so many areas that it's hard to have the conversation yeah um and having the conversation is actually it is the solution to 
all of the polarization, all of those challenges, I think. So that's a much, sorry, I took it like very macro, but no, very like philosophical. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I yeah. like it. I can relate to that. That's, that's yeah. why it started. So yeah. when you went from coaching like strength to the personal development, was that a seamless transition? Do you still do both or how did that kind of segue into one another? Um, yeah, it was definitely not seamless. It was, uh, <laughs> it was very bumpy. I, um, I had the vision that I wanted to combine them from the get-go when I started the business. Um, but I was, I mean, I'll be honest, I was just not as competent in my coaching skills. And so I really like doubled down on my, on my training. Cause I'd been a trainer at that point for 11 years. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to get clients and just train my ass off and be in the gym. Grind. Yeah. <laughs> and I did that. And I tried to like, in my intakes, in all my conversations, in all my interactions, I tried to like integrate some coaching stuff. Yeah. Like you were saying, because it's all connected and you, you see that like having a conversation like, oh, I can't just do the reps today. What's under that? Yeah. I yeah. had a fight with my mom. Okay. Right. <laughs> and having a fight with your mom makes you feel like, and there's like levels of to where like it then, oh, we can come back to training and now hitting 20 reps is like hilarious. I can do, <laughs> I can do a hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started to do that, but it was, it was challenging with my clients that I signed on to just personal training. Yes. They're like, who's this guy? Why do you yeah. want to know about my mom? <laughs> yeah, they're like, they're like, <laughs> do you deal with that Leanne? Yeah. Honestly, I'm, I'm so, I guess curious, curious would be the best way to describe it. I have always started with like, <laughs> just go there yeah I do I do I can't help it and so they're all used to it if they've stuck with me they know they're going to be talking about their problems <laughs> and I'm and I'm going to be talking about mine right back <laughs> it's it's therapy both ways <laughs> oh that's good, awesome it's a good relationship it it's, uh, it's smart and they get to know they like everything's much more real yeah yes well and and how how far can you take them into making a sustainable change unless you know those things you oh, know right. like so true like yeah. anyone can, can change up their entire diet and workout regimen for three months. And then it's like, ah, I don't have the bandwidth. Well, well, why? Like, why right. don't you have it anymore? It, it never goes past that, you know, it's always so revert true. back. Yeah. Cause so, right. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, well, no, I was going to change the subject. So continue. Oh, change. <laughs> but I was just, I mean, I guess just a real, like quick, it's just like a little add on there is like, you know, as a trainer, um, and, and as someone who, and that's why I think people are more open now to getting personal training and to, into fitness. They understand the, it because it's something that like keeps them at arm's length from like the real, real. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know, right. Like you can't just treat a final resulting behavior and expect like sometimes, right. You get someone on a nutrition plan on a training program. And then over time, the back end that had them like not hitting their goals in the beginning starts to be replaced organically. But I think that's way more, that's much more rare than working with someone to be like, well, why is it so hard for you to stick to the foods that are, you know, are best for you? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I think you got to like go back a couple of. You do. Cause it's like, what, what brought you here? It's probably your last five to 10 years of experiences and thoughts. Like, where are they doing you wrong and and how can we replace them like you just said yeah 
does fitness play into your coaching now at all with your clients? It does. It's way, it's, I emphasize it way less. I okay. encourage all my clients, like um, I have some clients, I have this one client that works at Google that like every time we have a coaching call, see, he did it once as like an experiment and now he has to do our calls while he's walking. Oh. Yeah, um, I like that. Yeah. yeah. And well, there's a lot of like really nerdy neuroscience for like why actually that's so powerful. Uh, right. Like Dr. Andrew, Huber, Andrew Huberman, if you're familiar with him, the name really familiar. super interesting. Um, he does a lot of work around. Um, I mean, obviously he's a neuroscientist, but he does a lot of work around the, uh, the eyes because right there in extension, the, the uh, optic nerve is actually part of the brain. It's really fascinating. Your eyes are, you can really think about like your eyes or your brain on the outside of your body. It's kind of weird. Ooh, that creeps me out. I know Cal's next drawing is going to be. I was like, that gives me an idea. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Um, But yo, so when when you're moving forward, the tracking patterns that your eye makes actually generates Mm -hmm. greater self-belief, greater resourcefulness, um, like physiologically. And so it's really fascinating to pair that with coaching work, which is like coaching when you're work physically is, moving forward. Yeah. Moving okay. forward, the way your eyes track and the way they shift from focus um, generates a physiological effect in terms of like a hormonal release. Um, it dials up. I, I, I'm going to say the wrong hormones. So please yeah. don't Just check, <laughs> no, check me. Good. We're not yeah. scientists here. Yeah. Go to Andrew Huberman and, and he'll tell you the real deal. But uh <laughs> Yeah, basically just puts you in a much more resourceful state as like, as humans, right? We're like designed to find solutions by walking to them, like by mm-hmm. getting, by oh, navigating, yeah. by my uh, locomoting, right? And like, mm-hmm. so when you do that and you're trying to solve a problem, you're way more effective, way more creative, way more resourceful, way more self-assured. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like really fascinating. So I, that like happened with my client and now I, I encourage all my clients like, hey, have you like moved around today? Like, please take mm-hmm. the call. If we're going to take, do a remote one, take the call. You don't have to look at me. We don't need video. We can do everything with audio. Just take a walk in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, that's like the shorthand way of how I incorporate physical activity into my coaching work. But I also do, I still do training programming for, for some clients that like really okay. want the extra assistance. More or less, I just encourage all of them to like, create some type of movement plan some type of uh nutrition plan that's going to benefit them because it just right keep coming back to thing it all it's all hand in hand yeah do you think that would work on a treadmill as well just i'm just curious i've tried that it's Mm -hmm. a little it i don't think it totally recreates how your eyes work i think it would still generate uh some neurochemicals for moving Mm -hmm. As I'm doing the like, <laughs> experimenting here. Does um, that work? <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, give me a second. Hold on. Yeah, um, no. yeah it works great. <laughs> uh, it might work. It, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like, oh, crap. I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> no, I think it does. I think it does. I have heard I run like- on the treadmill a lot. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's when I do like my ideas and I can, I can go there. Like mm-hmm. I would on a walk. What do you, when you, when you are on the treadmill, what do you, what do you notice? Um, a lot. I mean, it's just creative downloads constantly. That's, I, I just 
see big picture things and how we can get to certain places by doing things essentially that's kind of a superpower that I possess um truly but it's but it's also a curse because it's It's also just just they come out of everywhere but you know it's (laughs) what are we gonna focus on but yeah I I do think that forward motion I never put two and two together that we are we're constantly in motion to get to a solution or to an end result or whatever but I do think I do think that the treadmill kind of can can get you there and that well, I have heard like a a moving body can create like a calmer mind like if your body's yeah. very easy and you're just sitting there and then your mind can be going a million miles an hour and so I have heard it that way but I haven't heard about like forward motion and the the eye movement that's so interesting to me yeah, yeah. that is I, really really cool I bet you could probably achieve the eye movement part it doesn't, I don't think it necessarily has to be like a walk or a jog. I think I, I wonder, I mean, I, I should, this is a good uh, reason to go back and dig into the research a little more. Cause maybe it's just yeah. pure physical movement on, uh, doesn't have to be directional, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You just fall off the treadmill and have a headache. So the treadmills at the gym that I go to are on the second level and I just sit there and people watch the whole time. So my eyes are definitely moving. I mean, <laughs> watch who's coming right in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who's doing the, you know, the leg press wrong, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. So who are some of your typical clients? I'm always so curious. You said that you help a lot of, of men who walk through. What are some of the things that they're coming to you for? Um, it's shifted, it's shifted quite, quite a bit. I, I've sort of, uh, (laughs) it's funny. I think like when, you know, you go to like, you become a coach, like a certified coach and they're like, okay, you're off, go do your thing. But you're like, but who, yeah, right. And you're like, I don't, I want to work with everyone. But then you realize like by doing that, you end up working with no one. Yeah. Um, so I started just like testing very specific groups of people that I've worked with in my past. Like I ran a music venue for seven years. So I worked oh, wow. with a, a lot of, yeah, I have like a weird, um, <laughs> I like explore. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. I've explored quite a few, uh, job opportunities. And, uh, so I, I worked, I've worked with like service industry, industry folks for like many years. Um, it happened to be a music venue. So I worked with a lot of people that were musicians, uh, a lot of creative types, creative professionals. Um, I also worked, I volunteer for uh, an underserved community, like tutoring and mentoring uh, organization. That's like really awesome. So I work with all sorts of like young, young kids in that realm between like 18, 23. And then, but I, I also have like some corporate clients that are at Google and at TikTok and, um, and they, they all present like different challenges, but the things that unify them are like, they're very creative. They're very, they have like a very strong imagination. They're extremely hardworking. They're passionate. They do, they put everything into, into their, uh, projects, whatever they are. Um, Halla Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually Literally, it's funny. I'm like, check, check, check. As, as she was explaining, um, the sort of, and, and, and with the visual, I don't know if you'll, you'll use video of this for anything, but yeah. right with the visual hand pulling ideas down, um, it is, that's something that a lot of my clients do present. Like, so there's such an influx of creativity that the challenge with that is like, well, how do we bring the abstract into reality? How do mm-hmm. I not right? Like, how do I not, um, you know, stay in the, 
the romantic possibility world and bring some things to touch reality. Yeah, um, I got to get to work at yeah, some point. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> yeah. Oh, super. And all. I mean, the other thing that like a lot of my clients also come to the table with is you know also wanting to be in service of other people, and that's I think where the creative project they want to deliver something to people. Um, and sometimes the dark side of that is like, um, you know, they've, they've, if they don't get the validation from the outside, they can feel inadequate. Um, they can be a really challenging. So those are some, some of the that walk <laughs> walking currently. No, 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 no. We're on our way. <laughs> We're having the conversation. You know? exactly. exactly. That's right. We're going to move right past it. <laughs> Yeah, I was so I was listening. Oh, sorry. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna make a dumb joke. It's okay. Oh, please. We will I was gonna welcome say, here. I was say, well, we've had the conversation. So we're yeah, moving yeah, on. yeah. So now we've got it. Like I said, that work's got to go into motion at some point. That's mm-hmm. so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was listening to another podcast that you were on, and you said that you actually had like over two dozen jobs in your lifetime. Yeah. And you're not like fifty years old, so. Yeah. That's, it's quite an accomplishment. Do you, do you have any, like, any favorites or any least favorites? And, like, have have some of them developed you into, like, realizing that this is the path you were going to take? Oh, great That's question. a great question. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, <Thanks> guys. <laughs> uh, you know, what's interesting is, and is, this is another thing that uh, also, uh, you know, because once you start coaching enough, uh, you find the clients that really, like, light you up and, like, really, like, just uh, check all the boxes, you realize that, um, you're really just working with like a, a, a different version of yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah that's so and, true. Yeah. Yeah. It's really right. I'm sure you, I'm sure you experience it when you like find clients that you love working with. Oh my God. Uh, I feel like, yeah, I, I'm like, I listen to a fitness podcast and they joke about how personal trainers have to be chameleons. Cause yeah. it's like, you have to kind of meet everyone where they're at. And also like, there's the more laid back personalities where you have to chill out a little bit and that's not my uh, forte, but there's, you know, and then there's the high energy ones that you're just like, ah, the whole time just chatting. And yeah, um, yeah, I do. I feel like I'm at five different people every day. <laughs> don't, don't be alarmed. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that's, that would be, that would be a great thing to to talk through. It's just the, the chameleon aspect of <laughs> Yeah. No, truly. But, yeah. Um, let's talk about it. I'm curious. I don't, yeah. I don't have anything in that realm. Why, why well, do you have to adapt so much to clients? You think just for their comfort or for yours? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I'm very, yeah. Aware of, you know, I want this person to feel comfortable. I think I, I did one of those personality tests that, um, Chad gave us. Yeah. Um, he's our, our business coach. And, um, so I took a personality test and empathy was my, my top one. And so I think yeah it's, it's a strength, but it's also, it's definitely a strength in, in when you're working one-on-one with people and you, you would probably rank very high on there as well, Eric, but, um, uh, you too, Cal, I'm not leaving you empathetic, but, um, it, it can also be kind of a downfall. Cause I'm always like, are they okay? Am I making them comfortable? And so that's always yeah. kind of at the top of my, you know, radar. And so, if, if they're having a bad day, I want to like kind of chill out and, and be more comforting. Whereas if they're like really killing it, then I want to like push, push that. And so I guess it's not like different. I'm not being different people, but like Eric said earlier, like different versions of me. Yeah. Based off the energy I'm getting, you know, from them. Yeah. That's that, that, that explanation makes uh, that lands with me quite a bit. I, I'm curious. Was it, was the uh, personality test, was it Myers-Briggs? 
or was it? It wasn't. Do you know what disc? it was called? It was the. Um, or the G. Oh, the. Was it an Enneagram? Yeah. Yes, I did, I did one of those. One, I did and two. then there's another I one. I did them. Um, oh, so long ago. So we're. <laughs> we get to do a podcast where she hears mine and I hear hers with our coach and it's going to be interesting. Very. <laughs> it's like Gallup. Uh, yeah. G-A-L-L-U-P, Gallup yeah. test. Okay. It gives you your five strengths. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many and they're really useful. They can also be, they can also be detrimental because then you start focusing, um, you know, you you're disproportionately you start focusing on strengths and weaknesses to like mm. in, in a, in a way that isn't useful. Now, if you approach it the right way, but I also right, some personality types, uh, once they take the test, it's going to be very hard to integrate just based on their personality type. So there are mm-hmm. some challenges with that, but I, cause I work when I work in like corporate organizations, right. That everyone comes to the table, like a Googler is like, I'm a red. And I'm like, yeah. oh, boy. We're near the co- like, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> like, okay. I'm an INFP. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I'm like, well, that's your default, right? Mm-hmm. But like, there is, there's expansion possible. Actually, yeah, that's why I like fluid the- fluid people, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. There's a lot that happens in between those oh, letters yes. or, or that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I wonder too, like, if you took that test on a good day versus a bad day, would, would it even <laughs> come out the same, you know, like yeah. back to the multiple personality <laughs> replacement therapy to now? I think, I mean, my letters are going to switch up. I really yeah. truly think so. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're always shifting. Um, I don't even remember, I don't remember how we, oh, because we were talking about uh, different positions, like my jobs, anything that stuck out. The reason I, I think, I think how we got down this rabbit hole is um, <laughs> like, I've, ex- I've always been seeking sort of this, this like magic combination of creativity and service mm-hmm. um, connection. And it's taken me like a lot of different places. And I always like, if I held that as my mission statement, my personal mission statement, it brought me wherever and, and I gained something. And like I did, I was an umpire for uh, little league ball. I worked in a health food store and I ran the supplement department. I obviously been a trainer for many years. I worked, I worked in uh, catering halls. I helped a friend open a raw vegan juice cafe I wow. ran a concert venue for seven years. Um, I worked in craft beer. I sold craft beer for two years. I've been. I can see it. I can see the, oh, yeah. Yeah. the man bun screams oh, craft yeah. beer. To me. <laughs> the, the bun, the beard. And I live in all the, all the bees. I live in Brooklyn. I got a go. beard and a bun. It's like. <laughs> Just the, add the, beer to that and you're good to go. <laughs> the alliteration required to be a craft beer salesman. Yeah. Um, yeah it's it's but every one of those jobs um and there's there's more that i'm leaving off uh i was a public school substitute teacher i was a librarian every one of them brought me something really useful um and i judged myself for many many years until i started going to therapy myself and getting coaching myself um and i started to realize that actually that's yes right? There's, there's always two sides to every coin. Like one of the things I judge myself on is that like, because I was so like bouncy, I, I, I'm not a, like my girlfriend is an HR professional and has done it for a decade plus and she's excellent. And she's like, and I've never had that. 
Also, I love the cat. Yeah, sorry. He's just going to yeah, pop no, it. No, I love it. If, if I push him away, he'll just scream at us. So might as well I, just let him. I know, the, I know the reaction. <laughs> really make well. the rules. Yeah. I'm just here. <laughs> um, but the other side of that, that, that reality, that judgment is also that like it has a four and probably the biggest parallel that I always leave out is that I've have been a musician and I've toured and I've like playing music took me to Europe three times, took me to Canada wow. a whole bunch, took me all over the US. Um and, and when I look at them and I and I don't put it through the judgment lens and I look for the strength of it, it's like I'm really adaptable. I'm like, what a life well lived. I like, know. That's yeah. what I hear when I hear. <laughs> I don't see like sporadic or anything like that. I'm like adventure. Like that's yeah, what everybody adventure. wants out of life. The rat race sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It has its perks. It has its perks. It does. What are they? Uh, oh, wild. Steady pay. Steady pay is probably the number one perk. Yeah, that's I what I'm, okay. I right. agree. That's also right. what I imagine, though. So you could. You could correct me if, if I'm yeah, right. you could work a lot and not have anything to show for it too. I mean, yeah. there's that that component. That's what you bring to the table. That's so cool. Yeah. What, like for when you were a kid, were your interests very like all over the place? Was it always yeah. music, or how did you find music? I want to know about that. Um, I I don't remember the first time that I was like I have to play. Mm-hmm. Um. But like, I grew up in a very musical household. Like my dad, you know, my dad from like being a little kid would tell me, you know, he tried to go to Woodstock, got stuck in the traffic, sat on top of his car, smoked a joint and like, uh, that's awesome. (laughs) Right. Like, yeah. Music was always part of growing up. Um, a lot of classic rock, a lot of soul, a lot of pop, like big, like all that kind of stuff. And then somewhere some somewhere like the end of elementary school beginning of like middle school I started discovering alternative music and that's what really was this like pull like grunge other alternative punk 80s hardcore um new wave like and I just started getting like sucked into it and I remember like (laughs) uh my aunt my aunt lil she's uh she's the best she <laughs> she um we were like up visiting they lived in like central new york and we are my family is visiting and she just like slams my hands down on the table right because i was just like yes my brothers like, to have a child like that <laughs> <laughs> and so wait, this might be useful it might also <laughs> this might this might you don't want to show them this podcast yeah. uh <laughs> Did you also steal your sister's jeans in middle school? Yeah, of course. It was like, yeah, sure. It was like being alternative. I did whatever. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I've been around a couple of those my whole life. So I get it. Oh, just, just pesky. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Your aunt aunt slammed your hand. Holds my hands down, stops him from tapping. And she's just like, would you get the kid a drum set, please? Like, uh, yes. so, so my parents, they, you know, they allowed it to happen. I'm so grateful. They like, you know, I grew up in like the burbs of Long Island and, uh, we had a basement. Um, and so I had a space to like put a drum set. I, we didn't have a lot of money. So I got, uh, you know, the drum set was, 
it fell apart all the time, but it yeah. was so enough. Mean, that was your first job, a mechanic? <laughs> oh yeah. I had to figure that thing out. Yeah. Um, so that was, yeah. And then once I, once I started playing drums, that was, that was it. It offered, I remember being a kid and going through, like, I started playing drums around the time that I was, um, exiting the period of, of, uh, anorexia. Mm. And it just, I remember thinking like, ah, if I could just live in this state, you know, in this feeling of creating music and, um, you know, just express myself like this all the time. If I could just do this all the time, that would be enough. And so that drove me for years, just wanting to chase that. Um, I still play. I still, (laughs) do you still play? Yeah, that's cool. Do you miss touring? Yeah. COVID definitely shut all of that down real we are gonna we have a record i'm still in this this is crazy i'm still in the same band we've been together for 11 years what's the Um, shout it out what's the name of your band yeah (laughs) band is called timeshares oh nice Uh, i like it and we uh yeah we have a record coming out and i think like june july i can't don't nobody hold me to that it's gonna be sometime this year late late summer we have a couple like in two weeks we're playing a show in dc one in richmond we're playing one in western pennsylvania we're kind of bouncing around a little bit just here and there you totally downplayed that i had no idea i you know i was like mr cool guy yeah you need to meet our friend ron like for sure you guys yeah. would have a blast he he's in pennsylvania you guys would yes. have a good time well, maybe help, maybe maybe you can convince him to come to the show uh, i will in, i will do my best so. oh my gosh i lived in harrisburg for like 13 months really? <laughs> he's not far from there yeah yeah oh, that's awesome do you write any of the music <laughs> that you play She's like, I don't know about Harrisburg. Oh, is that what that was? That's <laughs> why <laughs> so it was 13 months. <laughs> it was a quick, quick stop. <laughs> yeah. A flyover. Uh, I don't, I don't write much. I've only written a couple of songs that have made it to record mm-hmm. um, in this band. I'm, I'm like, and it used to frustrate me, but now I just, I love, it checks all the boxes. I get to be physical. Playing drums is a very physical instrument. I yeah. get to be really physical. Um, I get to be really creative. I get to hold structure and support for other people, you know, and I, and like, that gives me like a lot. So now these days, like, I don't, I've dialed back my, like, you know, like, Ooh, let's like see how many notes we can put in this thing. And mm. now it's like, let's see how few like, yeah. Oh my God. We are on the same page <laughs> in terms <laughs> of like simplicity. simplicity. Yes. yes. Yeah, back to the basics. To it. Mm-hmm. What, uh, how is that showing up for you? Do you want to take We're that call? Do you want me to talk? No, go for it. Well, it, it's so funny because we, well, Cal started this podcast three years ago. Four? Cal? No, I don't three. even know anymore. I'm but just here. Between, between <laughs> three and four. It all runs together. But she did a first season on her own um, and then took a break because it was too much. And um, so she asked if I wanted to be a part of it. And I was like, absolutely. So last year was the first year that we like really started this thing together and, and had a plan and were excited. Um, so we just went balls to the wall. I mean, we did, you counted 54 episodes. Yeah, we did 54 yeah. episodes last year. I scrolled and, back. There's quite a few. There's quite, quite a few, yeah. right? And, oh, yeah. and we're super proud of that. But we realized this year, like, that's not sustainable long term. And we would rather quality over quantity. Mm. Um, and so we're, our whole year, I mean, it's only been less than a month. But so far this year, it's just been talks about just like slowing down simplicity um, the quality over quantity thing. And, and just seeing, you know, we've, we found our upper threshold and we're proud of that. And we're happy, but like, how do we keep this going sustainably? And, and 
Cal's got three kids. Like I'm getting married this year. So it's like, it's a, a lot of juggling. And um, so we're trying to find that balance. What so do you, we're what, what do you, so far with what you're doing to slow it down, to mm-hmm. do the, sim, the simplicity approach, what are you noticing so far in like the results? We're um, having and, fun again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what it yeah. is. It's, it's always come back to that. We're having fun again. We're not prepping and running ourselves crazy trying to make sure that it kind of goes back to like what you guys were talking about with your coaching making sure people are comfortable and showing up for them and doing that and it's like we too need to just come as our best selves and when we're burnt out we can't right so we can't enjoy this we it feels like work and we're starting to just have fun again not that all the conversations haven't been fun but you look back 54 episodes, that's a lot of time behind screens and in prepping and editing. And I mean, we are a two person shop, like we do it together. And like yeah. you said, we have lives. So the, the burnout aspect of it, reining that stuff back in and finding the joy in it again has really made all the difference for, for me hilarious. personally. And insane. And it's hilarious yeah. too. Like if, you listened back on our last year how often we talked about burnout was hilarious. it's awful yeah. okay I listened to that damn episode yesterday because we were doing we go live sometimes on Instagram for coffee and with our community and stuff and we, we talk through like the conversations that we're having with our guests and all that and last year we did our goals episode and we're doing the new one for this year tomorrow and I'm so full of shit. I'm just so nervous to show up tomorrow and have to like tell people, didn't do that, didn't do that. <laughs> but you know what? That's it's just relatable. The That's literally it, everyone. They, yeah. you, know, you, you have all these lofty goals at the beginning of the year and you're like, okay, how can I make this more realistic? Yeah. yeah. Do, you, sure. do you take the, the New Year's resolution approach with clients or are you just kind of like, we, as we go, we'll create new goals and, and small, small wins type of thing? It, I... I... I, I'm, I'm, I think you're probably asking, do I take the new year's resolution, like approach, not necessarily new year's, but like, right. Yeah. Sorry. No, I I got you. I was like, I was like, "Ah, I've only had two clients cross over new year's in the beginning. So I'm like trying to (laughs) think, no, but we, um, I mean, definitely. I I mean, in, in all of the, in all of like my coach training, psychology background, all of my, all of like the, the education that I try to, whether it's accredited or not, like I'm constantly working in the mind of, Mm -hmm. and, and I'm trying to like figure out uh, additional ways to support people. And what I have found, and this, I don't think has changed for thousands of years, at least I can't tell if it has, uh, is that like the, the recipe to a, a deeply, deeply rich and meaningful life is to have a really important goal, mm-hmm. to have a really, really important goal that means something to you that like, if you were to achieve it would like bring you to like <clears throat> achieving the best level version of yourself that you could imagine. And then, and then taking really, really pragmatic daily steps. Like, mm-hmm. I like uh, the metaphor I use often is like uh, like Michael Phelps or like whatever an Olympic swimmer, right? Like you can't swim staring at the wall. Mm-hmm. Like that's you're gonna you'll never make it faster than the guy next to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so your head is down for eighty percent of the time, and every whatever three to six breaths, you pop up instantaneously, check back to routine or back to like the grind. 
And I think like, that's like a really good way to think about goal setting and approaching your life because it, you take, you like really think about what's the, what's the, what's the thing that would like be the best for me. Like if I re- were to achieve, it would be the best thing I could imagine realistically. Um, and then take daily, right? Head down swimming daily strokes towards it mm-hmm. and periodically pop your head up, check where you are on your path back to, because I think doing that not only gives you, it gives you something to work for, which is like really, really important, but it also like, when your day is comprised of meaningful steps towards a big, meaningful goal, like every moment becomes more meaningful. And yeah. right. Like I'm sure you hear this all the time. Uh, like everyone these days is like looking to be more present and <laughs> like how I can't, I can't think of a better way to do that, to achieve it than by being fully engaged in everything you do in your day, because it leads to this thing that like really is, important to you um so yeah definitely i mean i think i think goal setting goals are really important i think it's just about like how you how you how you frame them and how you act towards them mm-hmm. yeah yeah i tend to overdo it surprise <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do this and then i'm like okay we got like two things done but that's all right we got <laughs> we got stuff done it's not then uh yeah time to yeah. reevaluate <laughs> time to reevaluate that's exactly it i can re- exactly. i can relate i can yeah relate. i can yeah relate. how do you help um well I, I actually have two questions my first one is how do you help your clients stay accountable is one and then I'll ask the other one after you answer that I guess (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's see well it really doesn't matter if they're accountable to me I like that Um, it, it matters if they're accountable to themselves like yeah I, I, I always try to set the ground rules. Like when we start coaching work, I, I just try to be like, this thing only works if you just, if you're bold in, in, in who you are and, and honest. Um, and when you can do that, you can, you can stop the bullshit. You can really be accountable to yourself. Like I think one of the most powerful things you could do is keep your word to yourself. And so yeah. I just remind clients that and I test it and like, right there, like, um, you know, I, I want to, like, I have a client that's like a, like a really, an excellent musician and he's on like a, a very well-performing band and he's like freaking out. He's trying to put together, um, a record. It's their fifth record on this label. It's real. Like people are, there's a lot of pressure, um, externally and he feels it. And he's like the major, one of the major songwriters. And so he clams up, he's like terrified to write. Uh, and so like he's always thinking about like i have to write this best the best record the best record the best record and so i'm like well how like how do you write the best song on the best record okay how do you write the best verse on the best song on the best record and bring it to like almost such a fragmented thing that like nothing matters Mm -hmm. and like that that like reinstates his confidence in the process and so like the accountability piece comes in where it's um like getting people to believe it, that they will follow through on a, on a thing they say they do, they, they will. So like make it so small that it's harder to not follow through. And then they're immediately accountable to themselves and they don't even realize what's happening. Like something feels insignificant. 
okay, I'm going to play guitar for five minutes today. Like, that's like laughable, but you do it. And because it's so easy, you just sit with your guitar for five minutes and they're like, all right, like it's like bored and they don't believe you, but like it builds self accountability mm-hmm. like, uh, just innately. Yeah. Give your second do question, Kel, because I, I do, but if you wanted to follow up on that, you can first <laughs> before because it's a different, different direction. So go okay. ahead. Well, you just mentioned briefly that um, you help people become more honest with themselves. Yeah. That that has to be very challenging. Like, what is your approach to doing that? Well, it's, I mean, it certainly starts with, with building like a really strong rapport and trust uh, between, right? Like has to be like an airtight container. Like Mm -hmm. nothing you say leaves, you know, this conversation um and like just really trust fall exercise (laughs) i mean it really is like you're gonna be there to pick me up yeah definitely yeah because who wants to like air honesty where they don't feel say like they can right it's it's horrifying so um i think that's essential is like creating that connection Mm -hmm. and that like really deep trust and rapport first and then um I mean, that's one of the power, the powerful benefits of coaching is coaching is all about questions. It's all open-ended questions and with no judgment and just trying to cater to the relevance of, of the person. Um, so like honesty, um, you know, I really want to leave this job, um, because uh, I'm not being paid enough right? Like, like trying to get to the bottom of like, well, is that actually true? Mm. And you leave the job and then like, and then what happens, right? Like walk me through it. Like now you have no money. Like you got to sit with that. Yeah. Sure. Just trying to like get, um, it's a, it's an, a, it's an iterative process to like, just continue to just, um, remind people that like the, this, the, the space uh, uh, of the coaching, like partnership is like sacred and, um, you know, just like getting them to experience like little bits of honesty and what that sensation is like. Cause like almost everyone I've ever spoken with, like just airing even a, a little bit of honesty, like, right. Wh- what have you been avoiding? Mm-hmm. Like what's, Ooh, what's that's the, a question. Oh yeah. What, what's the, what's the, like what's your what is the greatest fear that you have in this area what is getting people to like give you little bits Mm -hmm. um and just like asking them what they notice like it just unanimously like across the board people are like i feel lighter i feel freer i feel more myself i and like that when it when the momentum catches um so it's like i think it's really it's about just being gradual as gradual as possible and like letting people experience it. Right. Coming back to like my smart ass response about like, how do you tell people like, how, what do you do as a coach? It's like, well, you should experience it. Um, and I think that's it. Like we can all hear all the stuff we should do and we hear like all the good advice and it's like, yeah, okay, cool. But like, until you experience what being honest with yourself feels like, Oh man, it, it's, it's impossible to describe. Yeah, no what? better feeling. 
and it, that takes a lot of patience on both ends though because like I'll, I'll say from my experience like the the client's only going to get to their goal if they are honest with me about what they're doing in the hundreds of hours a day that they're not with me um and if they aren't willing to be honest with me or themselves that can create a lot of frustration um yeah. And, and maybe giving up or maybe just getting really negative for a while. Um, that That's really hard because that's kind of dependent upon how honest your client is willing to be with you. Totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they're not ready, they're not ready. Yeah. That's and would the, you the, tell someone that? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, have you turned clients away that it's just yeah. not a good fit for you? Really? Yeah, hard. I was terrified. Yeah terrified to to own that in the beginning but what i realized is that i'm not being honest mm -hmm. and and if if we're expecting that for one another like i have to i just don't know if you're ready for this i don't think you like and what's amazing like in whatever coach terminology that, that's called like mismatching okay. uh, but it's like a challenge um and clients are like you know i've had clients that are like you know forced to work with a coach because their corporate headquarters you know, direct them to their, yeah, that's right, what they got. Yeah. Right? What am I going to do here? It's like, well, I don't know, maybe nothing. <laughs> maybe, maybe there, maybe you don't want anything. Maybe you don't want to improve. I don't mm -hmm. know. And like, right. sometimes like challenging someone that says they're not ready or is really resistant there. I think what's really fascinating is that most people that are really, really resistant to opening up to trusting the process and being honest, they want it so bad, right? but they're so yeah. scared. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes challenging it and coming from a place, you know, meeting them on their level, pff, I'm not going to, uh, yeah, of course I, I ate all my meals. Like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, I hit my, I hit my two cardio workouts at programs. Like, okay. It's like, well, <laughs> like, listen, it doesn't affect me right. whatsoever. Maybe you don't really want to get into the best health that you're capable of. Mm -hmm. Um, God, I don't even know if I could say that to somebody. <laughs> That's so uncomfortable. Oh yeah, it makes you feel terrible. Um, <laughs> Sweating just listening to that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think something that I realized that like changed everything for me is like, um, like it's my responsibility as a coach to ask bold questions um, because no one else is doing that, and that's why they're paying me. Mm -hmm. Is to to like be the person that's willing to say something that no one else is willing to say or to challenge them how no one else is willing to. And we leave all our other identities outside and now we're just two people. Um, and I just, and, and the only, the only thing you need to know is like, all I want is what's best for you. That's all I want as a yeah. coach. What you think is best for you. That's it. And so when you tell me what it is, I'm going to hold you to that. Mm. And oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I'll uh, send it, all your information to all my clients. Yeah. <laughs> Eric's got a message to you from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You said it. You said it. There you go. I see a collaboration coming on. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh, I'm down. We, I'm down. <laughs> we talked a little bit earlier about how everyone's like main focus right now is being <laughs> present and being in the moment. Do you have practices that you fall upon for yourself that allow you to, to be in the moment better? Yeah, I think... Um, Great question. Cause it like, yeah. yeah, it's super relevant, uh, right now. Like, I, I guess I'll just reiterate, like creating a plan for yourself, like creating a goal and like, we're like bringing that into play, whatever that looks like. It doesn't have to be crazy, but like, okay, what's the best thing that could happen to me this year realistically that I could do if I put work into, and then, okay, what's one thing I could do today 
such that if I follow through on it, it puts me one step closer to this thing, right? That's one way of presence. Uh, it seems it's, it's counterintuitive because a lot of times presence is, I think, thought of as stillness and mm-hmm. lack of busyness, yeah. but, but actually presence is, I, I think is just, is being fully engaged in your life. In everything that's happening in your life, sometimes it's appreciating stillness for sure, which I guess leads me to my other practice, which is like I fell in love with breath work. Um, not a meditator, can't do it. I it was like I'm such a kinesthetic person, I like need to move. And mm-hmm. so breathing offered okay. me a physical uh so I, I always recommend that. I have a number of like um, what type of breath work do you do? <laughs> Look at her leaning yeah. in. She's like, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I discovered uh, Wim Hof last year. So yeah. I do his breath work every morning. I, I meditate, which is par- yes. a partial snooze. And then um, <laughs> I do my breath work after that. And I feel there's so that honesty. Alive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, See, I, can't, I can't lie about it. <laughs> we're, having, we're having the honest conversation. We are. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, it's huge. Yeah. Wim Hof is, and Wim Hof's great. Cause when, once you start studying that, like, and you go back, like his practices are based off of a lot of, um, a lot of Tibetan monk practices um, just adapted. And like, he's just, he has a really good way of just making it simple and digestible for Mm -hmm. like modern, uh, like consumption, I guess. But um, Wim Hof's great. Um, I always think about uh, Brian McKenzie is an ex CrossFit uh, athlete that has gone into um, sort of like tactical breathwork training. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't remember his, his website's called shift adapt. Um, and that's really great because you can, there's like some, um, practical tests that you can, you can undergo. And then there's, and then there's specific like breathwork patterns based on where you fall in this test. So that's like really cool for people. Yeah. That's, I always recommend that because, because then it's like a little more catered to the individual. Mm -hmm. Um, but honestly, the simplest thing that I always just, uh, recommend to anyone that's unfamiliar with breath work or looking even to go further is um is only use your nose close your mouth uh, make your inhales full but not forced and then release your breath Uh, you can use your mouth or your nose to release your breath as slow and effortlessly as possible and and really try to lengthen the exhale Mm -hmm. um i find that somehow uh, sometimes making a protocol too strict and specific has people focused too much on the cognitive part of the breath work than the experience trying to of get the breath through work. it yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like oh one two three four, yeah five, right <laughs> that's it can be useful uh but i i think it's just like uh learning to sit and pay attention to your breathing even if you don't modify it uh is like a really excellent thing it's seems like a cop-out but that's really, <laughs> that's well, what and I how do you just do it like five minutes a day or or how do you like to do it I do like uh, I actually I love that your uh your prep in the uh the invite for the conversation is like hey we try to do this without pressure take a breath right and and I was like that's great because actually what I do before every call coaching interview you know podcast a new client doesn't matter um is I just do three extended exhale breaths so i'll take um i'll just take a full inhale through my nose and i'll and i'll blow out as slow and controlled like like a like a whistle shape with your mouth Mm -hmm. like a silent whistle because other you know no one wants to hear (laughs) a 
whistle. So he's uh, whistling again. Yeah. Hey. The there, you go. there you go. <laughs> uh, and just go as long and as slow as you can. No force. Cool. And I'll do three of those before every call. And the physiological changes in the body, we get, again, we could like nerd out on this stuff, but uh, it's, it, it is just the perfect amount of like deceleration so yeah. that you can enter whatever it is that you're nervous about. I, and obviously you could do it in the reverse if you're really exhausted and you need excitation, right? Then use your mouth, make the, make the inhales and exhales rapid and almost like jarring, like breath of fire. It's like, yeah. A, yeah. So there's, depending on the goal, there's a different technique you can apply. So if you yeah. need to slow down, right? If you're like too hyped up, bring it down with long, slow exhale, exhales. If you need some excitation, if you're like, you know, you got to power through this day, you got a big meeting and you're so shot, uh, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. It's going to sound weird. Go into the bathroom and do like three minutes of really What's rapid. He doing? <laughs> Excuse <laughs> yourself and just go get your breath on. <laughs> I had a coach. I had a coach that was like, that was hosting a breath work, uh, a breath work like class on Zoom yeah. uh, while he was at his shared office space. Oh, and, what a nightmare. And <laughs> That was oh, a poor yeah. decision. Yeah, can you imagine like the other people in that office space like, there? So he gets what he the gets hell is going on in there. Yeah. <laughs> the the property manager, like the office manager, uh uh pulled him aside and was going to to uh to delete his credentials, like kick that him out be because they thought he was having sex <laughs> in his office room. And he was like, No, no. Um, it was just breathwork. Uh <laughs> But oh no one in the gosh. office believed him. So that reminds oh, me of that the Adam police. Sandler thing. Do you, you guys ever hear that? Adam Sandler had a bit where is it like, is it sex or weightlifting? It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, it's is so, that so like funny. 90s? That's like, yeah, 90s it's, it's oh, 90s. Yeah. Like my brother had fun. it. That's how I, yeah. Oh, all yeah. That stuff. He, so, was so that jerky? Was he part of Jerky Boys? No, it wasn't him. No, but that I know wasn't it, him, but yeah. Same era. Yeah, same era. Oh, yeah. So Can so we cool. touch on just real quick, since we talked yeah. about it a little bit on the beginning, um, your philosophy on animal-based nutrition, and is that just for you specifically, or do you kind of try to push your clients? I don't want to say push, but, you know, kind of, um, steer the ship maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Towards that. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a good question. Yeah. I don't try to, I don't try to definitely, I don't try to push any sort of, uh, nutrition principles on people outside of um why is that just because it's unique to everyone or some clients ask for it right like some are open um most people even if they uh, present as being open to it have some resistance and so i found it's much better for people to experience something and i'll offer some suggestions and then I have them, I have every client, whether they're just a coaching client or they do coaching and training with me, um, I have everyone keep uh, a food journal for it, at least the first two weeks. And that's not for calories. That's not for, it's checking in, becoming more self-aware of the vehicle and like, how do you feel when you eat certain things? Um, and like really, and then <clears throat> like trying to implement some of those suggestions, like I say, like, you know, um, it's, I think it's right. Like one thing that I could say with a, with like tremendous confidence is that it's directly proportionate 
our, our increasing uh, nationwide obesity epidemic is going up at the same rate that um, the consumption of, of seed oils has gone up and the consumption of processed foods, but, but including uh, other additionally processed sugars specifically. So fat, those seed fats and sugars are like, I don't think there's any research that, that could, that could convince me it's otherwise at this point. Right. Um, so those are things that I'm like, Hey, here's two things that I have. I'm fine recommending. Here's so much research. Here's like blah, blah, blah. Try to reduce these things as much as possible. Good starting point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then pay attention to how you feel. Don't do a million changes at once. Pay attention right. to what happens. Uh, try not to replace it with something. Just notice what happens when it's not there. And then eventually I try to work people into increasing uh, animal protein. That's, that's usually the first place I'll go. Um, and I, I have resistance a, with that sometimes. Yeah. I think yeah. The, the, a lot of pop culture is so, um, right. No, no, like anyone can choose whichever approach they like, but I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of corporate incentivized movement towards plant-based diets. And Lots of noise out there. Beyond yeah. meat and all that. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna yeah. Say. For yeah, right. For like climate reasons for animal cruelty reasons, you, you name it. <laughs> yeah. But Sorry, like, I'm getting angry. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I mean, yeah. this is, and this is an ex-vegan being like. Yeah, totally. But here's the thing, right? The, the, the real truth is that if you want to, if you actually want to help the environment, it's to eat regenerative animal agriculture. Like mm-hmm. that's the best thing you can do. It's actually carbon negative. Like you work, the, the soil is sequestering more carbon when you purchase and consume animals that were raised on a pasture in a regenerative process. Yeah. It's you can't, you cannot beat it for the planet. Um, and for the experience of the animal that you are going to consume and a million other, I could go on. So I have places that I recommend people go check out like white Oak pastures. Savory Institute is a really great, um, organization that has a lot of cool research around it. Uh, force of nature meats is a great, uh, sort of like butcher box. Yeah. Mm -hmm but it works only with regenerative farms. Um, and a lot of them are, that's the other thing. Like when, when my clients are like, okay, cool. I've done these steps. What's next. I'm like, okay, organ meat, we got to go to organs. And they're like, ah, what? (laughs) Like, um, but so I actually eat liver and onions now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Almost every Sunday, my husband makes it because he, he was, he did the vegan thing for a while and he's always like changed. Then it, went keto then straight carnivore and now he's kind of just he's found his balance of what he knows his body can can handle but organ meats are top of the list for him that's amazing that's Mm -hmm. oh we could have a whole conversation just around yeah i'm gonna have to connect (laughs) y'all yeah yeah for sure and i do um i'll message you later but i would love to know some of your favorite like psychology books and stuff that you've you've been reading um that yeah spark your interest and stuff Man, okay. Eric, would you oh. be open to coming back and just having yeah. continuing this? Because this was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I know we're I'd at time, that. but I don't yeah. want it to end. So. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise, yeah, I, I super appreciate it. I, I'm I'm like really grateful for the the chance to to meet you both and to chat and okay. to Same. and I'm just like I just hope you continue to conti- keep keep fighting the fight of, of of like people having dialogue and and talking through ideas and it's it's absolutely the it's been the most crucial. It's been the most crucial part in my personal development is learning how to have better conversations and connect with people. Um, and I think it could be everyone's. Um, I really Amen. truly believe that. 
Yeah. Well, I found my soundbite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you so much. Where can people get in, in touch with you and, and where can people find you? Uh, yeah, I probably the best place at this point is my website. It's ericbedellcoaching.com. Uh, shoot me an email. It's just eric at ericbedellcoaching.com. Um, I'm, I'm much more distant from social media these days. Uh, probably for the best. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Lot, that's Brutal a out money. there. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> uh, it has its pros and cons for sure. But uh, just for me right now, it's it's been tough. So yeah, website, email. Uh, if uh, oh, I mean, yes, follow uh, my band is Timeshares. Please check that out yeah. if you're interested. Oh, I will. Yeah, I can't um, wait. <laughs> but yeah, I just super appreciative of uh, of being able to to be here. Yeah, thanks for your time, Eric. Thank, Thank you so you. much. We'll talk soon. Sounds great. Right, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, we invite you to come be a part of the HDC community. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Have the Convo. For information on all of our shows, guests, and more, visit htcpod.com. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Talk soon.